It is far easier to get caught up in doing instead of just being. After all, you don't hear anyone say they have to be work, they have to do work. And as women, we are natural doers. But when Jesus calls us to be, be still with him, how do we respond? Today on Bloom, we'll talk about how a woman distracted by her demands experiences a transformed mind of following Christ more with her heart than her hands. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for November 6, 2020. Welcome to Bloom. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationship with each other and the Lord. So the holiday season is officially upon us. I don't know what that looks like in your home. For me, it means many things, but one of the most distinct things it means for me is hosting. Few things excite me more than being able to gather around a table with the people I love, break bread, and just celebrate. So whether you love or loathe hosting, what does your house look like before everyone arrives? Now, if I'm being completely honest, for years when I was preparing to host, my home was organized chaos, as in I was chaotically organizing everything. I refer to it as my OCD, obsessive cleaning disorder. I would experience this sudden heightened awareness of everything that needed attention, Things like the pantry needed cleaned out, the bathroom could stand a fresh coat of paint, and I should probably mop under the refrigerator just in case someone happens to move the fridge because I don't want anybody to see the the dust bears. I didn't have dust bunnies. I have dust bears that are under the fridge that have been hibernating all year long. I wanted everything spotless and in its place, from the baseboards to the pillows being fluffed just right, Basically not a trail of evidence that real people lived in the house. There was so much pressure that I placed on myself that my focus was not so much on my incoming guests, but the tasks. So when I first read this story about Martha and Mary, it's our story today, I immediately related to Martha. She was my people. If you are familiar with the passage, you might be thinking that you don't really see how this fits within the theme of the radical transformation that we've been talking about here. But let's read and see just how transformation doesn't have to be only limited to the physical. Not the healings, the signs, and the wonders. What's more significant is that Jesus transforms us spiritually. He transforms the heart. We first meet Martha in Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 38. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, first of all, can you just imagine being Martha in this situation? 
Jesus and his disciples just kind of show up on the scene. And for those of you who are perfectionists, you're probably freaking out right now and you're gearing up to put yourself into overdrive. We don't know how much time Martha had to prepare, but it's not like, you know, how we today, we can send a text message or something letting people know, hey, we're coming over, we're going to stop by. So we could assume that there's a pretty good chance that this was a surprise visit. She probably had to suddenly drop everything in order to serve her guests. And now the serving was not the issue. Hospitality was a huge part of Jewish culture, so much in fact that people were often known for how hospitable they were or likewise were not. In the last podcast, we learned about the Middle East being a shame-honor culture. So Martha was living out the cultural norm to display generous hospitality because that was the honorable thing to do. But Martha was hosting Jesus, the Messiah. I mean, this is no ordinary house guest. So putting myself in Martha's sandals, I imagine her frantically scrambling around to find just the right meal to serve Jesus and his followers. I mean, what do you feed the Son of God? But at least her sister was there to help, right? But we read here that Martha, as she was hustling and bustling around, trying to be the best hostess for her royal guest of honor, she finds her sister Mary not doing, just being at Jesus' side. Ladies, I, are you getting the sense that there was more than water boiling in that kitchen at that moment? Martha was outraged. She had chosen to, to voice her frustrations to Jesus pointing out that she was doing all the work while Mary was just sitting there. But I love how Jesus responds to her. What did, we, what did we read? It says that Jesus first, he begins by saying her name twice. Now, why is Jesus saying her name twice significant? So to answer that, we're going to look real quick for a moment at the other biblical examples where God spoke someone's name twice. In Genesis 22.11, God said Abraham's name twice when he was instructing Abraham to not lay a hand on his son and instead sacrifice the ram that was caught in the thorns. In Exodus 3.4, God speaks Moses' name twice when Moses encounters the burning bush. God was instructing him to deliver the Israelites from Egypt. In 1 Samuel 3, 1-10, God said Samuel's name twice when he was instructing Samuel that he would become a prophet. So when God says someone's name twice in Scripture, God is getting ready to deliver some important instructions. It's about to get really good. And so when I read the red-letter words in my Bible here, I wish I could hear how Jesus said Martha's name twice. You know, did it sound annoyed? Did he raise his voice a little? We can't read what Jesus' tone was here, but if I had to take a guess, I would guess it was both soft and loving. I, I tend to think that when God spoke to Moses, you know, in the burning bush on the mountain, there was like this strong, booming voice. You know, we don't really know for sure, but I'd like to believe Jesus was gently calming Martha down enough just so that she could listen to his next words of instruction to her. The instruction that would begin a transformation process in Martha. So Martha often gets a bit of a bad rep from this biblical story. Mary chose what is better. That is what we read. So naturally that means that Martha was just in the wrong. 
Jesus was obviously reprimanding her. But I see it very differently. I don't see Jesus as reprimanding Martha. I actually believe he was freeing her. He was freeing her to release herself from the tasks and focus on him. Inviting Martha to sit at his feet, just like Mary did. And in a day and time when only men were discipled by rabbis, Jesus was inviting women to take the posture of a disciple and sit at his feet to learn from him. You might not think this story of Martha categorizes as a radical transformation. As I mentioned, there are no miraculous healings, no signs and wonders that Mary receives, not personally anyway, in this story. But that doesn't disqualify Jesus' ability to transform us on the inside. Jesus was radically transforming her mind, allowing Martha to focus on the spiritual above the physical, the eternal above the temporal. Now, how do we know a transformation took place in Martha? Now, this was our first encounter we have of Martha, but it's not our last. We reunite with Martha in the Gospel of John. In chapter 11, we read that Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, becomes very ill. So Martha and Mary knew exactly who they needed in order to save their brother. So we're going to begin in chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 7. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, The sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that the God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. Now, we could unpack a lot here, as well as in the coming verses, but for today's purpose, we're just going to focus on Martha's radical transformation. Jesus and his disciples are returning to Judea in order to see Lazarus. When Jesus arrives on the scene, Lazarus has recently passed, and his family was in mourning. But this time, what does Martha do? So we're going to read about her response this time. We're going to skip down to verse 17, and we're going to read 17 through 20. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. So do you already catch the difference here? Martha is likely hosting once more in her home, only this time she is hosting family and friends who were in mourning of Lazarus. It was very common in Jewish culture to mourn for several days when someone passed. But when she heard that Jesus was coming, she didn't care about her hostess duties. She dropped everything so she could meet Jesus. She laid the tasks down so she could be with her Savior. Now we're going to continue reading, beginning in verse 21, and we're going to read through 27. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Now, the following verses tells of the miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And to me, it's one of the most powerful foreshadows you'll ever come across in a book. But again, for the sake of our discussion, we're going to focus on Martha today. Now, remember, we talked about this several times, that when Jesus told Martha in Luke chapter 10 that Mary had chosen what is better and it would not be taken away from her. Martha heeded that instruction this time, and she clung to Jesus, confidently believing that Jesus had full authority of whatever was happening in the physical realm. And because of that, Jesus shared with her the truth of himself as the resurrection and the life. Another incredible, important teaching that he gave her. We read about the divine foreshadowing, but Martha witnessed it firsthand. Martha was radically transformed to fixate her eyes upon the spiritual, the eternal, not the physical. What we see in the physical realm is not always truth in the spiritual realm. And the temporal tasks before us pale in comparison to the eternal invitation to come to Jesus. Martha's transformation may sound insignificant compared to Jesus' radical transforming power to make the blind see or the lame to walk or certainly to raise a dead man to life, but never underestimate the power and worth of a transformed heart because that's what God sees and that's all that matters to him. Oftentimes, the most radical transformations don't take place in the physical realm, the realm of what is seen. It takes place in the heart, in the mind, in the soul. This story is an invitation to us today to not worry about so many things and just sit at the feet of Jesus, to come to the King. Martha had a heart to serve, and there is nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we get too caught up in the details and demands around us and we miss the invitation. When you invite someone to your home, do you expect them to clean your bathroom and do your dishes? No, you invite them so you can have relationship with them, spend time with them. So I encourage you today to take time every day, spend time in God's presence. Allow yourself to slow down to hear him speak to you. And shift your gaze on the unseen, the eternal. God's door is always open. Sometimes we just need to put the task down and take the invitation. Have you ever experienced a desperate need that required bold faith? Next on Bloom, we'll meet a woman who was radically transformed when she boldly pressed in towards Jesus to find her miraculous healing and reclaim her life. Keep growing and God bless.